Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Matt Harmon and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Dalton Delnon joining me today. Dalton, do you know what satisfied me today? What's that, Harmon? Now, I don't want to jinx this, and this might be a hot take, but I am glad, I am satisfied that the the Monday night doubleheader is, is behind us. Because I don't know about you, Dalton, I don't really like two games on Monday night. I might be in the minority there. I know that a lot of other people really like having two games on Monday night, apparently, according to my Twitter feed, but I don't like it. I like to dial into just one game, be totally focused on that particular contest. You know, whatever. I don't like half of my timeline tweeting about damn Packers Falcons. I don't like the other half of my timeline tweeting about, you know, Brian Hoyer uh, puking all over his shoes. I'm kind of glad that those, that is, I mean, I say this realizing that we probably will get another one of these because yeah, it's like say. that's the way the yeah. season is going. But for now, I'm glad that that is, is behind us. Uh, that's fair. I like more football, the better. But I wish it could have staggered it a little bit better. And the games didn't exactly turn out to be super great either. So I hear you. And I know you uh, personally, you and me are doing fearless forecast videos on Monday. And the la- you know we're super swamped. And then suddenly, uh, I don't know, free football is how I consider it. And like you said, there's going to be more to come, Matt, unfortunately. I- I'm sure this was a hardly, hardly an isolated incident, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree with you. There's definitely going to be more to come, so I should probably just get used to it. Uh, <laughs> also, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, those games were really good. And, and you know, for, for the Patriots part of it, it's just like, I, I wish we got Cam versus Mahomes. That would have been a lot more exciting than, you know, Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham trading blows. And then at the same time, the Falcons, I tweeted this, the Falcons-Packers uh, matchup between the Falcons secondary and the Packers wide receivers is just like a perfect representation of what the season has become to me, which is basically entire units. And sometimes whole teams are just completely unrecognizable. It's hard to really judge anything because injuries have taken such a hold on, on almost every team in the league. And I mean, obviously as a 49ers fan watching that game on Sunday night, that was extremely apparent too. Yeah, the Patriots making that game really slow and just definitely not as exciting. Obviously, Cam missing really, really hurt there. And then it's supposed to be a, what the over-under on that the uh, Atlanta game opened at nearly 57 points. And somehow, obviously, the Julio and Devontae Adams injuries hurts. But how does Calvin Ridley go uh, without a catch as well? So, man, if you were waiting for Monday night fireworks in your fantasy lineup, very disappointing. Matt Ryan, zero touchdowns. Uh, 
uh, the Packers entered allowing the most yards per play in the NFL. So that high scoring affair didn't quite materialize. And then Todd Gurley's there uh, getting the touchdowns. And man, uh, it's uh, a yeah, it's a pretty frustrating two games uh, for personally on my fantasy teams. I'll tell you that much. Nice to see George Kittle yeah. go crazy on the other on the other Sunday night game, though. But uh, yeah, but Niners, uh, unfortunate ending for there for me there, too. So, yeah, these I'm here. I hear you. These primetime games lately have definitely come up empty for me. I hear you. Yeah, George Kittle was awesome on Sunday night. And baby George Kittle, as I've seen a few other people yes, start to call Tanya. Robert Tanyan. Oh. <laughs> I mean, wow. I, where are you? I, I think that's like something that's here to stay. Like if you have Robert Tanyan on your on your fantasy team, like if you picked him up out of desperation because you have Devontae Adams and you could throw him in the flex or whatever, I think I think Robert Tanyan might be – I think he might be like a real thing because pretty athletic guy coming out of college. There was a few evaluators that really liked him. Uh, and there's just obvious room in this offense for somebody to step up. And he looks like he's been the clear guy over Jay Sternberger so far. So he's coming off a couple of good games in a row. I would I would continue to keep him on the back of your roster. Like every year there's, you know, one breakout random tight end. And I think Tanyan's got a pretty good chance to be that guy right now. Yeah, it's funny. There were about 40 options for breakout tight ends, and few mentioned him. Yeah, Sternberger has not uh, <laughs> materialized whatsoever. Green Bay is the first team in NFL history to score 150 points without a turnover in the first four games. I think Aaron Rodgers has been hit, hit the least. Uh, the offensive line, who needs draft picks? Who needs really draft picks when you're already apparently loaded like Green Bay was? But yeah, I, I'm with you, Tony, especially with Adams banged up. Um, sure, MVS is uh, racking up the air yards, you know, but um, you get in the red zone. Tanya absolutely could be a thing from here on out. I, I agree. Yeah, for real. No kidding. All right. Let's jump into trends you love to see. I don't, this isn't a trend. And depending on who you are, you probably do love to see this. But tell you what, Dalton, I'm walking through the grocery store yesterday doing our shopping for the week. I feel, you know, three buzzes go off uh, in my pocket from my phone. <laughs> and and I'm like, okay, that many in a row. Nobody texts me that much, that's for sure. No, no, no one is no one is reaching out that often. Um, and so I'm like, all right, this has got to be, got to be a news alert. Got to be some NFL news alert. It's 2020. It's probably an injury related news alert. In no way was I prepared to pull out the phone and find out that the Texans have fired general manager, head coach, and newly installed play caller by himself after he demoted himself from those duties, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien out after uh, after a, a storied run in Houston, especially the last <laughs> few months. What, what is this? Does this change anything for the Houston Texans in your mind? I mean, like I said, Bill O'Brien had just given himself back play-calling duties. Now I assume those are just going to go back again to Tim Kelly, their offensive coordinator, as Romeo Cornell takes over as the interim head coach. I mean... What a complete, what a complete, no, the word for it, what a complete show in Houston right now after they let this guy, you know, tear down the roster, completely take apart the organization, and now he's gone after four games. It's especially funny that he announced, as you said, five minutes earlier, that I'm taking over play call du- play calling duties. The Dolphins, I believe, have their first two-round picks next year. Um, yeah. It's so tough to be a general manager and a head coach in any sport, and obviously O'Brien Hopefully this is the end of that the, that experiment because uh, it's just too tough. I mean, one is a long term goal, and the other you're worried about your job immediately. So I mean, they're really conflicting exactly. even positions. It doesn't doesn't make any sense. So um, I don't have any profound thing to say other than Duke Johnson is uh, in all the uh, advanced stats 
uh, far better than David Johnson the last couple of years. And if he's healthy now and without the, uh, the you know, the reasoning behind O'Brien made the trade for David Johnson. So he had incentive to play him. So maybe Duke becomes more of a thing. is the only thing to pay attention to. And David Johnson was certainly trust tough to trust in fantasy lineups right now anyway. But I don't really see anything other than good news for Houston's uh, franchise in the long term. Finally, I mean, this was inevitable. The decisions he was making were just were just crazy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, good in the long run, no question about it. I agree. I don't really see too much short-term change here. I mean, the Duke Johnson thing is actually interesting to bring up because you would think from like a psychological angle, obviously um, obviously, Bill O'Brien has so much incentive to make sure that David Johnson trade looks even half passable. And uh, it definitely did not, no matter how many times they ran him up the middle for no gain or whatever. Um, so, yeah, essentially... I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's much change here. I think it's just kind of business as usual for the Houston Texans. Uh, and it's just, it sucks for Deshaun Watson. It's just, it's, I, I hate, I hate to see like a young quarterback like that be put in this position. And now, especially because you mentioned, this is not an appealing job whatsoever to take over. I mean, somebody will take it. I know there are people already wish casting Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy there. I don't know if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I probably don't want to go to a team that doesn't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick next year. And, oh, by the way, they still have Jack Easterby there running the show, who's kind of the guy that helped facilitate this power grab by Bill O'Brien. So it's a fresh start with the same old guy. I, I feel bad for Deshaun Watson, but, hey, he's a very uh, he's a very wealthy, successful young man, so maybe don't feel too bad. Only thing I'll say, though, is one thing a head coach, you know, looking for a future job is if you have a franchise QB, man, that's almost more important than, than all the, I mean, I'd rather, you know, fewer draft picks coming up and all that is definitely bad, but you have the franchise QB. That's a really nice start. Yeah, no, you're not, you're definitely not wrong about that. All right, let's talk about some injury situation. Like I said, injury situations, and hopefully these are trending the right way for some of the backups there. Typically, you get fantasy gold when there's a waiver wire pickup where talent intersects with opportunity, and we might have something happening here with two of the top running backs in fantasy football going down and there being some pretty clear appealing backup options behind them. Nick Chubb obviously placed on IR with a knee injury. Um, they say that that's not season ending. Uh, I, I Let's hope that that's true. Let's hope we see Nick Chubb again at some point. We know that the IR terms are shorter than ever this year. Uh, so it's, it's pretty likely, I think, that we see Chubb again. But for the meantime, like if you drafted Kareem Hunt, this was like – the unfortunate but still best case scenario you possibly could have hoped for because now it looks like you know I mean he's at the head of a backfield right now where the team is running the ball in neutral situations one of the most like I think eighth highest in the NFL right now or eighth lowest is their passing rate like they're clearly trying to establish the run there and by the way they're doing it very well they ran 307 yards on Dallas last week which is a franchise record for that particular for, for that particular team in Dallas. Yeah, with Nick Chubb leaving early, uh, he looked so good in his early carries. I have a, a lot of Nick Chubb, not much Kareem Hunt, but you are right. Uh, now Hunt looks like a, I don't know, hopefully he's over his groin injury. You know, he was questionable if he was even going to play and he wasn't in the on the field much when Chubb was playing. And then obviously we got some De'Ernest Johnson uh, mixed in. But if Hunt is healthy and he takes over that role, uh, you said that they are definitely trying to establish the run in Cleveland. Um, he's at top five, I would say, ish type back in PPR, right? I don't think that's too aggressive, right? Especially with the running back landscape right now. Um, just my preliminary ranks for this week, it's a tough matchup with the Colts, but I think I have him seventh or eighth. But I think he's moving forward. He should be in PPR around top five without Nick Chubb, right? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, these are 
<laughs> these are two of the best backs in the NFL, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Like, there's not much distance between them. And depending on what statistic you look at, like what advanced metric you look at, Kareem Hunt might be playing better than Nick Chubb this year from like a success rate standpoint, from a broken tackle standpoint, you know, and again, that doesn't, I'm not like going to sit here and say like Kareem Hunt is definitely, I don't really care, like pound, pound the table for one of these guys or, one, or another. Personally, when I watch them, I think Nick Chubb is like the better ball carrier and Kareem Hunt obviously does things better too, but who really cares? The point is these are two elite backs and now one of them has been completely removed from the picture. You mentioned Ernest Johnson, like how interested are you in picking him up like there's I mean he he last week ripped off seven yards per carry against the Dallas Cowboys um you know this whole team was over seven yards per carry against the Cowboys and I know the Cowboys are terrible obviously as both a rush and pass defense but still I just think that that shows if something was then ever to happen to Kareem Hunt and you mentioned he's already been a little banged up this year Johnson might be a guy that really we'd be thinking about starting as an RB2 or something in fantasy yeah, Ernest Johnson absolutely needs to be added in all fantasy leagues for the reasons you mentioned. If Hunt is totally might be banged up right now, and Chubb, who knows how long, how many weeks that's going to be. Um, he was able to walk to the locker room, so maybe it's not a season ender. But yeah, and a team that's running the ball that heavily. Uh, Ernest Johnson needs to be added. I have done a deep dive in him. The, the workout metrics don't look super uh, impressive. Um, but yeah, w- James Robinson was undrafted. You know, I mean, so I don't care too much about pedigree in running back. And he certainly looked good against NFL players Sunday. So absolutely, right. he needs to be, uh, be added in any format in which he's uh, available. So let's talk about the other team that had a big running back injury. Uh, you know, I'm a big Austin Eckler guy. Uh, and this one uh, was a real kick to the teeth for sure. Uh, Eckler placed on IR with a quote, serious hamstring injury. So that brings us to Josh Kelly. You can tell I'm already bummed to not be talking about Austin Eckler. That brings, that brings us to Josh Kelly. Am I crazy for like, for not really knowing how to feel about this team now without Eckler? Cause you know, uh, my old pal, Dave Damashek from the NFL network likes to call it the Jenga piece. You know, when you remove someone from an offense, it just completely changes the complex or team for defense, same thing, completely like changes the complexion of the unit. I think this is a very, very different offense. Like I think Chris, I think Chris McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, these guys that are elite receivers, and maybe I'm talking out of my ass here because the Panthers have been a pretty good offense without Chris McCaffrey, but I think it does change the complexion of, of this unit. Like I think these guys they're they're not just the typical you know running backs don't matter type running back you take them out and you throw somebody else in you know whatever and I think we're seeing sort of the same thing with the New York Giants like they're not able to just piece together a run game without Saquon Barkley or whatever I think it really changes the complexion of the offense so I'm kind of not all that excited about guys like Josh Kelly or even Justin Jackson whatever but at the same time Justin Herbert dude has been so good that I feel like I'm an idiot if I don't immediately bump up the starting running back for this offense right now because Herbert has demanded, I think, that much that much credibility so far. Yeah, tough break for Eckler. And uh, yeah, you're right. He's a unique player, all those receptions. It's definitely going to change. The uh, the offense is an unknown now anyway with this rookie quarterback just slinging it like that. I think Josh Kelly is uh, definitely an RB2 right now with the injury. Um he beat out Justin Jackson just this summer with an impressive performance, but he has lost a fumble in back-to-back games. And you're just going to have to explain to me why they're running the ball with 15 seconds left in the first half, 
from their own 10-yard line. I, I, I know it's easy to point out when it goes wrong, but the odds of a 92-yard run there with the defense versus a lost fumble, yeah. you're just out of whack. You should be kneeling the ball there. Anyway, Josh Kelly, two fumbles, <laughs> and Justin Jackson may just make this a full-blown committee moving forward. But, yeah, for me, I have Kelly as a top 25 back this week. Um, Jackson is just like Dearness Johnson, a guy that now needs to be owned, be owned and added in all leagues. And Justin Herbert, to me, just jumping off the screen, I was uh, I, everything I read was he's going to struggle. He, uh, his his accuracy will not you know not be good in the pros at all. Certainly not year one, and he's throwing these awesome dimes deep downfield while getting hit. I yeah. mean, maybe it's it's silly to jump to conclusions, but in my column, I said at this point, I would be surprised if he does not develop into a star. I mean, after watching him do that against NFL pros in two games, just sitting in the pocket throwing the ball that well downfield. At this point, now my expectations have flipped and I'm like wow this guy is going to be he's the real deal I mean again two games we'll get some some tape on and maybe it'll look like a scrub but just seeing that guy out there making those plays at this point I'm like oh I think he's going to be a future star in this league and I got I got a lot of respect for the Bucks defense you know I think on balance oh, they, right they, yeah they've, right. Been, they've been the exactly. better of the two sides of the ball in Tampa I mean and he wasn't throwing to Mike Williams he was throwing to Guyton and some other guy I had to look yes, up I mean yes. it was it was impressive he was getting hit hard and uh, again he's gonna have his struggles don't get me wrong Justin is gonna have his struggles this year make some bad interceptions but dude that Tampa Bay defense is legit top three this year maybe and yeah slinging it downfield highly impressed yeah I, exactly and you made the point when he's getting heat on him too. Right now, Herbert has the fourth highest passer rating of all quarterbacks when under pressure this year. Uh, he's also got a 73% completion rate when under pressure. And most impressively, when you put these two numbers together, the completion rate and his yards per completion, he's up at 14.8 yards per completion when he's under pressure, which goes to show you, like, he's not just like, oh, let me get the dump off here to the outlet. Like, guys are coming in and hitting him, and he's still slinging it down the field to, like you said, these goofballs that, like, no one has ever heard of, which I think that just makes this – it really that much more impressive what Herbert's doing right now because the Chargers offense continues to fall around them. I mean, Mike Williams is hurt. Austin Eckler, like I said, I think he's their best player on offense right up there with Keenan Allen. Like Allen at least is still healthy and leads the NFL in target share. It just continues to, I think, rocket him up in terms of what it's like, what the, what the fantasy expectations are going to continue to be for Keenan Allen. But yeah, I think Herbert, like if he is developing into the player that you and I think he can be, then I think it's all right to to sort of make these adju- expectation adjustments for guys like Josh Kelly or Justin Jackson because you want backs on good offenses. And right now, it looks like the Chargers have a really good offense with Justin Herbert under center. So funny. Keenan Allen leads in target share. I was worried about Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, the two different quarterbacks, including an inaccurate Herbert taking over. Hilarious. Now he's like a top five <laughs> PPR option. I mean, just immediately. Just if you have Allen, things could not have gone better over the first month of the season. I mean, uh, yeah, and it's going to continue if he gets keeps getting that target, that amount of targets. So really interesting Chargers team with Herbert looking that way. And Josh Kelly, um, yeah, definitely unfortunate for, for Eckler, but Kelly could be, you know, could really reap the benefits here if Herbert has that offense clicking like it could be. Yeah, this is one of those, you know, right or wrong for the wrong reasons, basically, you know, like with Keenan Allen, like you had every reason to be concerned about the target share. I was aggressively drafting Keenan Allen, but I was thinking in my head, I was like, Tyrod's not that bad. You know, he'll be fine with him. Now, just, I mean, I'm going to end up looking good for being ahead of the market on Keenan Allen, but not for the right reasons, so no props taken there. All right, let's move on to a couple of 
some some confusing, interesting offensive distributions right now. You know, we know targets are the king in fantasy football when it comes to receivers, air yards, everything like that. Let's break down uh, some of these some of these interesting target distributions right now. The Steelers' offense is coming back to our lives, uh, and luckily at the same time, Deontay Johnson is going to be coming back to our lives. He just cleared the concussion protocol. We've got Juju Ebron is rumbling around the end zone. James Washington is there. Chase Claypool. Um, I was on Chris Harris's podcast right before uh, the Harris Football Show. If you want to check it out, the Harris Football Podcast. Um, we were talking about sort of the split between Juju and Deontay Johnson heading into week three. Um, Chris was ready to already put Johnson ahead of Juju based on the volume that he was getting and the way that he looks on the field. Um, obviously, Johnson gets hurt like right away into week three, so we really didn't get an answer there. But coming back into this week, you know, the Steelers will get to play the Eagles, who um, they've got their own injury problems there, obviously. Do you think that we've already seen enough evidence to rank Johnson potentially ahead of Juju, or are we still a little ways away on that? Yeah, I have been ranking Johnson ahead of him the last couple of weeks, and I, I will this week. Um, I mean, Josh Hermsmeyer's Whopper, uh, you know, weighted opportunity rating, uh, Juju is like 60th and Deontay's 16th. So if you look at the air yards percentage, or any way to look at it, it looks like to me Deontay is getting treated like the number one, clearly the number one receiver in Pittsburgh. So that's how I'm going to rank him. Looks like he's over the concussion, hopefully. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm with that stance that Deontay over Juju. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, I, I love Deontay Johnson. So, you know, I'm, I'm in. A, <laughs> I'm obviously in on this discussion for sure. Um, you know, I think I think he's like I, I just I've said all along that I think that they need sort of a guy like that to to make this offense like its full potential, you know? So I- I'm in on that ranking as well. Let's talk- Juju put up amazing numbers when he was super young, which projected him. Most most people are like Hall of Famers that do that. But the situation was so right with Antonio Brown, and you look at the advanced stats and how much he really dropped off when Big Ben went down, and the, not to the degree the other receivers did. This, I mean, I'm not saying I saw this coming immediately, Deontay passing him, but um, this shouldn't come as a complete surprise. And Deontay is, uh, I think he's clearly, I have him ranked 13th this week and Juju like 24th. I know Juju caught those two touchdowns week one, but um, I really do think it's, his, it's clearly the number one is Deontay. But um, I'll probably be just as wrong as I was about the Keenan Allen losing looks as well. But that's my stance on the, on the Pittsburgh whiteouts. No, I'm with you on that one too. Um, all right, let's talk about the Bengals too, AFC North team. Are we starting to see officially a changing of the guard in Cincinnati? Because Joe Burrow gets his first win. The offense looks pretty good. A.J. Green has three yards on five targets. Uh, He's, like, not involved at all. At this point, over the last two weeks, T. Higgins leads the team with 35.5 routes run per game. That's only one ahead of A.J. Green and one ahead of Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd obviously has the most catches, the most yards, however you want to look at it. But T. Higgins is second in terms of yards with 117, 16 targets, 9 catches. Um, He's also being used in that clear outside role. I mean, he's getting more slot snaps than A.J. Green. But he's getting 17 air yards per target. You know, he's being used downfield in the vertical portion of the game. Uh, have we clearly seen sort of a changing of the guard in that Bengals receiver core? And like A.J. Green's just essentially going to be a bit player now. 
Yes, I, I drafted AJ Green in a couple leagues, thinking maybe uh, he still has something left. But I think it's kind of safe to say he, he looks pretty much washed. He's third in the NFL in air yards right now, but T. Higgins is twentieth. So clearly, that's just what's happening uh, in Cincy. They're just throwing the ball downfield. I think Higgins is going to get more and more. Uh, I would absolutely rather Higgins than AJ Green moving forward. I, I ranked him as such this week. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess there's some excuse for the slow start, considering Green had not practiced a full game a full day since 2018 to like a week before the season but man it does not look good and he's been getting as many opportunities as any receiver in football so yeah I'm ready to move on to the fresh legs and the guy who's producing right now it looks like Higgins over green yep I'm with you on that one as well uh, I think with that I think I'm with you I think that one's like pretty clear a pretty easy one to do so let's talk about something that's a little more complicated the Cowboys wide receiver volume distribution uh <laughs> Cowboys you know Dak Prescott is on pace for like to break the passing yardage record by over 1,200 yards. Uh, he's putting up like 400, 500 yards passing per game. Um, and you would think that that sort of rising tide would elevate all boats. And it's been sort of a week-by-week situation. I mean, Gallup comes off a monster game against the Seahawks and barely does anything despite Dak tearing it up against the Browns last week from a passing yardage perspective. But right now, just through four weeks... Percentage of team targets, Amari Cooper clearly leads the group at 25.8. CeeDee Lamb is down there at 14%. Gallup is at 12%. Now, when you look at the percentage of air yards, Amari Cooper still leads the group, but it's closer, 30% to 26% for Michael Gallup. And, you know, CeeDee Lamb has sort of been that short area slot receiver, at least to start the year. And then when you look at routes run per game, Gallup leads the group just a bit ahead over Amari Cooper, 44.3, 44 for Cooper, and then 38.5 for CeeDee Lamb. By the way, Dalton Schultz, uh, another Dalton, not the best Dalton that we know in the fantasy business, but the second best Dalton that we know. Um, he's up there at 30 routes per game too. He actually has more targets than uh, Michael Gallup on the year. If you drafted Blake Jarwin, like your process on that was right. Cause now we've essentially just like, I mean, it doesn't, you're, that's not much more than a back pat, but your process on drafting Blake Jarwin was right. It's just, you've got the wrong player now. So uh, where are you in terms of this Cowboys receiver court? People are, people are ready to like drop Michael Gallup. I, I think that this thing could easily change, you know, not, not like Cooper or lamb is going to be irrelevant at some point, but I think I would not, freak out that much about Gallup considering he's still involved in the offense and he's getting high quality targets there just hasn't been the bulk of targets yet but who's to say that that couldn't change in like four weeks yeah I drafted Jarwin everywhere and it's so annoying seeing how Dalton Schultz is being used so Dallas is super interesting because their defense has just been so so bad I know the offensive line has struggled as well but uh, Dak Prescott is on pace to throw more than 800 passes, I believe, this year. The NFL record. I think only Stafford's the only person to ever throw more than 700. Um, so it's really interesting. On one hand, Gallup has the 11th most air yards this year. So do not drop someone in that offense with 11th most air yards uh, this season. However, if you look at his target share, team target share is 12%. Everyone else on that leaderboard on the air yards is above 20. So it's really, yeah, really weird. So if they throw 800 times this year, I don't think it would matter the team target percentage. That actually won't matter um, for CeeDee Lamb and these guys. But the thinking is he probably won't throw 800 times this year. So that team target percentage is going to matter. But 
Um, Cooper could get hurt. Uh, don't don't drop Gallup. This this will get he he'll get his. And, and Ceedee Lamb obviously would have been looked better if Cedric Wilson didn't replace him for a couple quarters too. So it's a really weird situation uh, for sure. I think that the efficiency will probably rise and the the volume will lower is what I'd say. But don't go dropping Gallup. I think he'll be he'll be he'll be better. Yeah, would anybody be surprised if he converts all those air yards into like 110 yards and a touchdown next week against the New York Giants? I definitely would not be uh, surprised at all. So might be a frustrating player, but I think you understand sort of what you're getting. Like you're getting a deep guy who is going to be volatile week to week, sort of depending on where we are. All right, Dalton, we talked a lot about Drew Brees. Let me actually rephrase that. We spent a few weeks clowning on Drew Brees being cooked. Uh, And despite that, Mm -hmm. without Michael Thomas, he decided to have one of his better passing performances. Uh, He was over eight air yards per his completions. And I know air yards are going to be like a banned word um, (laughs) by by the time the season (laughs) is over in New Orleans. They're going to be sick of it. But at the same time, was really good on in his first three games. You know, he was under seven percent completion percentage, under expectation. He was over twenty-two percent on throws of ten plus air yards against the Lions. Now that's the key thing, right? It's the Lions. Um, what did did this performance change your opinion on the Saints' passing offense or Breeze at all? Or are you willing to just say Matt Patricia does not know? what he's doing in the slightest. Uh, so I'm going to kind of write this off and, and, you know, sort of go back to my priors. Yeah. Funny that lines were up, I believe 14, nothing this game. They've lost six straight games. They've held double digit leads and NFL record. Uh, good stuff there. Yeah. The defense is not, not exactly elite, but um, I will say Drew Brees looked far better than I expected. I mean, he was throwing the ball downfield without Michael Thomas. It was a great game. It showed he was capable of still having a, a great performance. Uh, I wasn't sure that was still possible at his age, and he, clearly it is. But I wouldn't expect him to be consistently that way from what we've seen so far. I expect some struggles against tougher defenses, especially you know with his lack of ability to throw the ball downfield. But definitely for one game and against a bad defense, he proved uh, that he still has it because he, he was making some good throws. He certainly looked good. Yeah, I think this was good to see. I mean, it matters. I definitely care about it. I I, I am not going to, you know, completely change my opinion or the way I think things are trending for Drew Brees um, and the way that I think that this offense is still going to be mostly a short ball offense and based around Alvin Kamara. But it definitely was good to see that in, you know, that he can still hit the layups, basically. Like, he's not going to be shooting a bunch of threes, but he can still hit the layups, basically, is the way I look at it. Like, that would have been really troubling if he had gone out and kind of bricked it in this matchup. That would have been super problematic. So, good to see there. Wanted to thank, once again, our sponsor for this episode, Planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor that you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. All right, let's move on to trends you hate to see. Kyler Murray's scrambling highlights have kind of covered up the fact that the Cardinals offense is really... Dalton? It's not that good. Right now, they rank 25th in passing success rate. Kyler Murray has a 19.2 passer rating under pressure. That ranks 33rd in the NFL, Dalton. Um, there are 32 starting quarterback spots in the NFL, so it's generally not really good to rank 33rd in any particular metric. No player beyond DeAndre Hopkins has 15 catches right now. And worst of all, in a perfect get-right spot, the team went 3-for-9 on third down against the Panthers. Murray averaged a hideous 4.3 yards per pass attempt, and Kenyon Drake rushed 13 times for 35 yards with a 0 
in the target column. Now, Drake is on the injury report um, this week. Chase Edmonds, you know, ha- has been the guy that they've looked to in passing situations. But they get the Jets this week. So what are we doing with this Cardinals offense right now at this point? If there's ever uh, one example to point to passer rating being a poor uh, measure, it's uh, Kyler Murray this week. He had 4.3 YPA, and he threw for 133 yards, and he had 116.7 passer rating. Um, he's not <laughs> developed as, as hoped in year two as a passer. Adding DeAndre Hopkins, um, um, he's definitely helped fantasy-wise. He's running like crazy, but 6.4 YPA, the stats you, you just said as well, um, and in that matchup, yeah, not, not great at all. Um, they're bottom 10 in yards per play, that offense, uh, trying to run a fast pace too. So hate the Drake. I don't know what else you can say. I mean, in that matchup, uh, the Panthers had allowed the second most fantasy points to running backs. Um, he didn't run a pass route. I mean, forget the, forget the not putting up, I mean, forget zero targets. He didn't run a pass route. I mean, that is a major problem. If he, he, even if he's, I don't know how, I mean, he's probably, even if he's only half injured, maybe they'll sit him for a week or two is what I'm saying. Chase Edmonds, obviously, it looks to me like the better back right now, clearly the better uh, receiver. So yeah, I guess he could blame it all on Kenyon Drake, but I don't know what to say other than it's been a major disappointment uh, for for Drake and and for yeah Murray as a passer. I mean, adding to Andre, Hop- maybe Hopkins uh, isn't fully hundred percent, but still in that matchup, uh, quite a dud. Yeah, for real. I mean, I think they need some ancillary players to step up beyond Hopkins too. Like Hopkins has been everything that you could have hoped for and more. Um, I want to see Andy Isabella get some more run in the passing game. Like I think I'm kind of over. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, give me a break. Like, keep him out there and, you know, let him do some victory laps when the team wins games, I guess. But, like, I just don't really need to see Larry Fitzgerald at this point. Christian Kirk, like, doesn't seem like he can stay healthy. I'd love to see some more Andy Isabella. And the Chase Edmonds thing is interesting because back in August, I don't know if you remember this, Cliff Kingsbury said that he feels like Chase Edmonds is a starting running back in this league. And, you know, (laughs) back when he said that, it's like, ah, whatever. I'm still drafting Kenyon Drake. I don't care, whatever. But maybe now that Drake has kind of bricked the first few months of the week, and I I, I mean the first few weeks of the the season, I feel bad for Kenyon Drake too because remember he posted like a smiling picture of himself like and saying this is what you're going to feel like when you draft me on your fantasy team and God, I hope he deletes that tweet so that people don't, you know, uh-huh. dig it back up in the next couple of weeks or something. Uh-huh. Maybe they are. Maybe they already have. Maybe I'm telling people to Probably. do it right now by talking about it on this podcast. <laughs> don't do it. Don't remind him. Um, but, you know, maybe we could see some more Chase Edmonds in the future. So if you have, he should already be on every roster pretty much at this point. Um, maybe you start to kind of hope that that happens at some point. But yeah, I, I really think that the Cardinals sort of need to, they need to get some more downfield guys. You know, they haven't even really been using, DeAndre Hopkins that much as a downfield guy. He's under 10 air yards per target right now. Um, I'd love to see Andy Isabella in there more because I think he could potentially unlock some vertical um, aspects of this offense or just get Hopkins healthier to the point that they can use him more as a downfield option. And if Drake is fully healthy, I'll say right now, I would consider benching him against the Jets actually have a good run defense. They actually, yeah. uh, so I, if, he, if he's good to go and everything, I, if you have any alternatives at all, I would strongly consider that. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Melvin Gordon put up a big uh, stat line against the Jets on Thursday night, but most yeah. of that was, was was juiced towards the end of the game. Talk about another, um, on a negative side, depending on who you are here, uh, for the target distribution in Carolina. Um, <laughs> in a weird way, 
it feels like Robbie Anderson has been what we expected DJ Moore to be in this offense. Like, number one, Robbie Anderson has obviously been more productive. He went over 100 yards in his first two games. He was at 99 last week. He leads the team right now with a 24.8% of the team targets. DJ Moore is not far behind, 234 Mike Davis slash Christian McCaffrey is at 23.4. So they're right up. They're still using the right. Even when it's Mike Davis, they're still using the running backs. Um, and then obviously my guy, Curtis Samuel, they're at 13.1%. Uh, you, 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 hate, you hate to see it if you're me. Uh, <laughs> but the thing that's really interesting here, air yards per target. DJ Moore's at 12.6. Robbie Anderson, 9.1. Curtis Samuel down there with the running backs at 6.8. Robbie Anderson's been sort of getting the full route tree targets, whereas DJ Moore has been getting a lot more downfield looks, which has led to volatility in his production. I think the one thing that we can clearly take away from this is that Anderson is is a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two right now. But where are we at with DJ Moore? Because it's great, I think, that the offense has has been pretty good the last couple of weeks. But he's getting he's not getting the type of targets that I think we would have expected. Yeah, touchdowns are a problem with DJ Moore always. And, uh, yeah, I, I think maybe his ceiling is – well, his ceiling is a little bit less than some might have expected with Robbie Anderson's emergence for sure. And, and I think the takeaway is he's not getting the easy looks that he was getting uh, yes. previously. But Moore is going to be fine, and I, I still have him as a borderline top 15, top 20 fantasy wideout. Uh, but Robbie Anderson is top 30 right there, top 25 himself. And I'm upset at myself because I kept drafting him aggressively the last couple of years. He gets freed from Adam Gase, so I should have been all over him. But I was <laughs> – worried about Curtis Samuel and who is to be, you know, the number three receiver and, and Bridgewater, Mr. Captain Checkdown. How's he going to throw it downfield there? I did not like the match here, but I was wrong. Uh, Robbie Anderson looks great. And I think he's here to stay with that defense being poor and they're not going to run the ball. I think the setup's there for, it's a narrow route tree. They both rank top 13 in uh, the aforementioned Whopper stat. So they're seeing the opportunities. Robbie Anderson and Moore are both top 15 in that stat. So uh, I think they both can coexist and be startable every single week. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think better days are ahead for Moore. You know, he just he hasn't found the end zone yet. That's the biggest problem for him. But he's not I, – I, Rich Rebar was on the podcast with me uh, back in the summer, and he talked about DJ Moore essentially like from a usage standpoint looking a lot of, like a guy like Robert Woods. You know, and, and, and DJ Moore is another guy that sort of like we like you talked about with Juju, great production at a really young age. Obviously, that's great to project – like. I think when you see that, the instinct shouldn't be, and this is probably like a longer conversation, but I don't think the instinct should be like, oh, future Hall of Famer, elite star, whatever. It's just like, this guy's going to be good and he's going to be good for a long time. You know, like same thing with Juju. Like he's going to be a good player in the league for a long time. doesn't mean they have to develop into a superstar player. Um, but yeah, I think DJ Moore, you know, if he caps out at being a Robert Woods type guy, that wouldn't. It would be, I think it would be a disappointment for people that drafted him really aggressively in fantasy, ranked him top 10, you know, coming into the year. But it doesn't mean that that it's anything. I think it's just sort of adjusting your expectations to what you're going to get. Like, there will be better days for DJ Moore, but I think it might be time to sell on sort of that, like him being a potential top 10 producer at the position for sure. 
It, Moore had one target in the red zone all year, and that was week one. Uh, Woods, by the way, has like a carry and some other fluke touchdown, too. I think he's going to be a, a problem still scoring there, too. So, yeah, these guys that just get, get ignored in the red zone, it's a problem. But Moore, if you're looking for an interesting time to buy him, though, with the game yeah, heading yeah. to Atlanta, it should be a high scoring. Yeah. So I think he's going to bounce back this week. Yeah, the bottom line take is it, you still want to go like try to trade for him right now. Like I had somebody – ask me you know uh trade like several trade questions today what i'm like oh yeah and like every time it's like dj Moore. yeah definitely take the dj Moore side here definitely the dj Moore side there um like even someone asked me tyler boyd or dj Moore, and i think i'd still mm-hmm. rather have dj Moore. i don't know if that's the right take yeah. but i think i'd still rather have yeah. dj Moore there um davis might need to have a role when chris mccaffrey gets back you know they've he's up there in like broken tackle rate i think he's like number one or number two so it's not just as a receiver so yeah yeah, no, he's looked good, and I think the Panthers could use a change up there. I mean, I just – I don't know that you want Christian McCaffrey out there playing 100% of the snaps, you know, doing all of that. You know, just let's keep that – let's let let's keep that prime a little bit longer for Christian McCaffrey. I think it might end up being a good thing in the long run. Um, another, you know, highly drafted back this year was Josh Jacobs. And um, if you if you were out on Josh Jacobs – you felt like a total idiot after week one, right? Because he scored 35.9 fantasy points in week one. Since then, and this comes uh, from our buddy JJ Zacharyson uh, over at FanDuel, since week one, Josh Jacobs has 35.1 PPR fantasy points. So uh, still <laughs> still about tied with what he did in week one. Are you worried about Jacobs at all as a guy that, you know, maybe like I thought after after week one, I was like, oh, man, he's going to be a top five back. You know, I'm an idiot for like for overthinking this one. But, you know, the Raiders seem to they're a very conservative team, right? They're they run their offense in a conservative fashion. They call they seem to call plays for like a defense that they don't really have. You know, like they, they, they play pretty conservative, like let's trust our defense, but they don't really have a very good defense. Jacobs right now leads the NFL in carries, 83 rushing attempts. Derrick Henry probably would have beat him had he played this week, but still rushing yards per carrier down at 3.6. His success rate on first and second down is down there sub 50%. It hasn't been all like, it's not been that exciting. His stuff rate, by the way, 14.5%. Like that means he's getting tackled at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. It just hasn't been that prolific of a rushing season so far for Jacobs. Yeah, one of the few people that I faded is not going absolutely crazy the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jacobs, you know, it's encouraging all those targets though uh, for him. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely seeing an increase in twelve percent, twelve percent of the team targets. But, like that, that is much more than I expected for sure. The the Raiders run um they've run a, a slow pace and they've they've suffered some some injuries on their offensive line uh as well so Jacobs uh I think he'll be whatever he's a, an RB two he'll be okay uh, whatever uh, I don't think he's going to be the monster they looked in week one but he's going to be more helpful than he was the last three weeks so um and it's nice overall that he's not going to be so game script dependent if he is going to see four or five targets a game as opposed to the one or two he was last year but but yeah I mean um. It's not just the it's not the, the greatest environment. I mean, although the volume is nice, it's just not the greatest environment there for the Raiders. Yeah, I agree with you pretty much. Like, I think he's still going to be a perfectly fine back. All the volume numbers are there. It's just like you said, not the greatest uh, environment for production. Gets the Chiefs in week five, then a bye week, and then Tampa Bay, Cleveland, Los Angeles Chargers, and then Denver in week 10. You know, it's the middle of the road schedule, whatever. Um, let's jump to our next segment, which is who got shelled. Presented by our friends at Planters. Every Wednesday, Dalton and I are going to go back 
look at a defense or defensive player who got absolutely shelled last week, then we'll dive into the data and point out the defensive matchups you might want to take advantage of on Sunday. Dalton, you know who got shelled last week, and it looks like they're going to keep on getting shelled. It's the Dallas Cowboys defense, and especially their run defense. Mentioned it earlier. They gave up 307. Stop. Let's say that again. 307 rushing yards against the Cleveland Browns. We know the Browns have a good rushing game, obviously, with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. But what the hell is going on with the Dallas Cowboys defense right now? Like, they get beat up by Russell Wilson through the air. They get beat up by the Browns on the ground. Pretty much they can't do anything right right now. You know, you have some people talking, like, it's leaking out that Mike Nolan, by the way, shout out Mike Nolan, one of my original uh, TV dads. Uh, from the NFL Network, we had a couple segments together. Good, you know, shout out Mike Nolan. But at the same time, you got people talking that his scheme is too hard. Then I think I saw Daniel Jeremiah breaking down why it's more of an on-field issue than a scheme issue from the NFL Network. So, like, pretty much all things are wrong in Dallas right now, and I, I think we should expect them to continue to get shelled this week. That and was the most rushing. Forward. That was the most rushing yards allowed in the NFL game in like two years, and they were at home, and Nick Chubb left after six carries. I mean, just crazy. I like Alden Smith's story. I'm rooting for him. He led the NFL in sacks, uh, I believe, leading into last week. But uh, yeah, that defense is a problem. Um, Who I expect to get shelled this week? That's going to be the Raiders, man. They're the only team in the NFL ranked bottom three in run and pass defense DVOA. They now face Kansas City on the road, who the Chiefs are 13-point home favorites. Over-under in this game is like 56. Sammy Watkins is looking good this year. I know CEH has been a disappointment, but I think he goes nuts, pun intended here. Uh, and the Chiefs, uh, <laughs> Chiefs go crazy after playing, you know, that slow slog New England game. That just, just forget about that. Chiefs offense gets back on track, and the Raiders defense gets shelled. I love it. Now I know that we we expected maybe a little bit more out of the Dolphins passing game against the Seahawks last week, but Devontae Parker had the big game. Preston Preston Williams is just a he's a jag. So like, if he doesn't rip up a, a great matchup, like nobody should be surprised. Fitzpatrick got a rushing touchdown to save his day. If you were a streamer, but I expect that Seahawks defense to get shelled this week because, man, Adam Thielen looks great. We expected that. But Justin Jefferson, like, why weren't they playing this guy from week one? You know, he is absolutely crushing it right now. He looks like one of the next great wide receivers in the NFL. You know, he was an awesome separator in college, a truly detailed technician, like a guy that you'd expect to hit the NFL field and start cooking right away. And so far, so good for Justin Jefferson. The last two weeks, he's gone over 100 yards. I expect him to continue to be a guy that you need to find a way to get in your lineup, especially in this great matchup against a Seahawks defense that has had trouble stopping the pass, and their offense obviously is so good on the other side of the field that teams need to trail them. And I definitely expect Russ to keep cooking against a Vikings defense that has had a bevy of problems trying to stop the pass as well. So, Justin Jefferson, top 15 fantasy wideout for me. Fun, uh, fun stat here. Seattle Seahawks have allowed exactly 500 more yards than the next most uh, two receivers this season. 500 yes. more than the next most. That's crazy. By the way, it was 400 going into this past yes. week. And like I said, that was sort of like a disappointing passing day for Miami. So that's how, that's how much yes. production we're talking about for wide receivers facing Seattle right now. So I definitely think Justin Jefferson is going to keep on cooking here. So that was who got shelled. I hope we don't get shelled by making those picks. And 
once again, we want to give a shout out to planters for that segment. Stay satisfied with planters. All right, Dalton, that's it. We did the trends we love to see, the trends we hate to see. We talked about Bill O'Brien and uh, Monday Night Doubleheaders. We covered a lot here in about 45 minutes. What do you got coming up this week, man? Be back tomorrow uh, with a podcast with Scott Pianowski talking the week five lines. Love it. Follow me on Twitter. That's about it, uh, Harmon. Um, yeah, so uh, good good, good stuff. Dalton, you got you to gotta start bringing some of these, like, you got some good, you got some good, you know, me, like more than medium spicy takes here on the pod. Like you're not up there like ghost pepper hot if we're talking about <laughs> wings, but like you've got some pretty, you got some pretty spicy takes that I like. And I'm usually in agreement with you. Ag- agreement with you. Jeez, agreement. That's tough. Tough scene for me. You need to start tossing some of those takes out. Like we're talking wings, tossing those takes out on Twitter a little bit too. People, the people will like that. Yeah, I've been told that. I'm so bad at Twitter. I do need to get better at that. I know. It's true. It really is. I know. I, I need to join uh, society and, and start tweeting more. I, I'll get on that. Join society. Yeah, well, that, that would be nice. All right. In the meantime, while you're waiting for Dal- Dalton to start dropping his uh, his hot takes on Twitter, you can listen to some of our podcasts that we have here at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Dalton Del Don with the non-spicy takes, but hopefully more coming on Twitter. One more thanks to our friends Planters. And tomorrow, Dalton, as you mentioned, you'll be back with Scott to preview the week five betting lines. But until then, we're out of here. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. We'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.